Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tech Breakfast Podcast. Today is, I don't know what day it is, it's the 6th, I guess, November 6th, is 2020. Uh, it it is Kieran would like to weigh in on what day it is. Yeah, that is true. So we're joined by <laughs> Kieran Sheldon, who is joining us from the future, uh, and then Tim Davis, who uh, I don't think I'm actually supposed to be on the show with today, but somehow we're making Sweet it work. So me. we definitely have our days crossed. Uh, so we're going to go through a little bit of news. I'm actually going to start with the fifth. Uh, so apparently, uh, Android was invented on November fifth, two thousand seven, or not invented. It was announced. Uh, Google actually acquired Android back, I think, in 2003 or 2004. Fun fact for those people out there. But it turned into what it is on November 5th, uh, 2007. So remember, remember the 5th of November, uh, Android came out in that time frame. And then on today, uh, not tech-related, but obviously very important and related to the times we're going through now, Abraham Lincoln was elected president uh, in 1860 on November 6th. And so it... it <coughs> Lots of good stuff from yesterday and today, but since we also have the future on on the line today, Kieran, is there anything that's happening uh, in the future that, that we should know about or did happen uh, on the 7th throughout that time? Any fun um, facts? I'm really not seeing much. Wasn't really a fun day by the looks of it. <laughs> it really wasn't a fun day. <laughs> that's, that's disappointing. Well, uh-huh. anyways... I don't know. Uh, From here on out, though, the 7th of November, we'll have this iconic Tech Breakfast podcast to lean back on. It will. The first Tech Breakfast podcast recorded on a Saturday. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Actually, I'm sure that'll make it into history.com as well. Absolutely. Let's submit it. I noticed we don't have enough uh, for November 6th slash 7th, so we can add to it. Yeah, we'll just go ahead and add that in there. Well, anyways, gents, how y'all doing today? Cool, lovely. Mm. That was very unenthusiastic. Yeah, I'm gonna guys, try that you one. You guys more nailed time. that exactly the same yeah. time. You basically, both just gurgled. How are y'all doing today? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Tired. I want to go to bed. Oh no! Welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us here, and especially because I know it's late. Apparently, it's very late. It being it, so, it is. It's actually the next day. I just I just don't know how to handle this. Um, I mean, it's it, it's not supposed to happen. Russ and I are not supposed to be on this podcast at the same time. But don't worry, it won't happen again. The responsible parties have been sacked. All is well. That's right. Well, let's uh, kick this thing off with some tech news. AMD Zen three CPUs. Who wants to weigh in on those? Tim, you have a little bit of, of experience, I think, already at this point in time. Yes, I do. Thank you. Um, so I have not purchased a PC part in over a decade. Uh, I moved to Mac when the Unibody MacBook came out, and I've been there ever since. Um, but yesterday, I was harassed into driving for about an hour and a half, uh, picking up a CPU, dropping it in the mail, sitting in line for 30 minutes. It was a huge waste of time. And this is me wow. just giving uh, Mike Wilson a hard time. It was cool. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, he wasn't able to uh, to get any CPUs where he was. He didn't have any micro centers available down there in the Austin area. Um, so since I was adjacent to one, micro I... Micro uh, amazing, by the way. 
Oh, they kind of, they, they made me a little mad. So they're supposed oh. to open up at 10 o'clock and I drove up at about 20 minutes tell the doors are open. The store's full stuff's happening. <laughs> oh, no. There's people walking out with their CPUs. They're so, already uh, fighting. Oh yeah. No, so the he, last he, boxes. he did not get the generation, the, uh, the 58 oh. or the 5,900 that he wanted. They were completely out by the time I got there Bummer. 20 minutes before they opened. Um, but he did get a 5,600. So, uh, it, it's, it's interesting to see that the PC market is still alive and well. Um, <laughs> you, you say that like you're surprised. <laughs> Russ is so offended right now. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, you know, it, it's very cool to see that they're, you know, they're getting through it. Um, I, I assume that it all has to do with, uh, you know, with flight simulator because there's really nothing else that you would want to do with a PC at this point. So uh, this it, is why you're not allowed on the show at the same time I am. <laughs> I, can, I can see Russ getting visibly angry. So to note, I was one of the oldest people in line there. Everybody else was about 16 and had their That's girlfriend with them. About. So uh, obviously the market for PC parts has not changed. Much. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here's wait, the yeah. news. The news Go is back. the gamers have girlfriends. Yeah, when I was buying computer parts, I was not going to do so with my girlfriend ever. That's that's new. <laughs> so that that is definitely news of the day. So uh, Ryzen, which by the way, it's the it's the Zen three, but it's the Ryzen five thousand. So thanks AMD, you're about as confusing as the Xbox yeah, Series that's... X and, and all of that stuff that Buley just can't understand. The <clears throat> so it's it's very difficult to find these because once again the the scalpers uh, they're out in full force. So the the bots are out getting them from all of the online retailers, which is actually why Micro Center is amazing is because uh, they require that in-person aspect of it. So if you are lucky enough to either have a friend like Tim or to live close enough to go to one, you can sometimes have a chance of getting them. But it's interesting that your friend was willing to go like he had like three different options it yeah. really didn't matter he was comfortable with any one of them whereas i would have i knew that was going to offend you had my eye on you, just you one of them you would have flipped to the table one. over not getting that one that you needed, needed. And, and he he very needed. much wanted the uh, the 58 of the 5900 obviously um i guess there's another like 5950 or something like that that's exponentially more expensive he was fine mm -hmm. with that as well but uh that was also not available at the time Sounds like and Mike's strangely enough that. so i picked up the uh, the processor the the 5600 uh was 300 just over 300 bucks uh plus the little you know two-year warranty plan which at micro center if you break it due to overclocking that also counts and they will replace it. So I was actually really, really thrown off by that because back in the day they said, if you overclock it, you're out. So <laughs> that's very cool to see that they're, they're really getting on board with that, but it's about a 30 minute ride from there back home. And before I'm maybe about halfway home, he sends me a picture of the 5,600 series processors that were already on eBay for 550 plus bucks. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It, it's I, I, crazy, man, and people are going to buy them. I want to make a comment on overclocking real quick before. Sorry, Tyler, like cutting that. you off. Like, I am a serial, <laughs> serial overclocker. And so if someone actually breaks their processor due to overclocking, yeah. then I commend you. Like, right. that is it's incredibly really difficult. It, now, your motherboard didn't may used catch to be. on fire. It, it um, used to I've be had really that easy. Yeah. So it's, oh, it used to be it's super just funny. Easy. But it, yeah. it's very difficult to break if, hmm. if you have any like acceptable cooling on the things overclocking is not going to shut. There's so many protections built in. Yeah. They, if you're, it'll if you're shut sitting there with your CPU open wide and you have completely disabled all of that crap, then you can literally blow the silicon up, which is cool. By the way, you should guys. Yeah. yeah. Videos. And they flat but, out but said so the only thing that's now. not covered was physically breaking the thing 
and water <laughs> damage. Those are the only things. And I just, I was, I, like I said, I haven't bought a PC part in so long and I'm used to them saying, I'm sorry, did you overclock it? Great. Okay. We're yeah, not going to replace that. Yeah, I had, so you just, uh, no, you didn't? What's wrong with you? I would never. Sir, why are those two uh, resistors bridged there? I don't know. <laughs> I actually had a processor. So it was maybe, I want to say that I had bought this part in 2010 timeframe. And and I was pushing it hard. Like I think I had it 1.4 gigahertz above its base clock speed. Nice. And 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 I used to run, and I still. I mean, I, I run. I have a 9900K that I run, but 5.05 gigahertz. So it's it's pushed about as hard as it can go. But this one was really really pushing the boundaries. And I used to be a stickler for doing extreme stress testing, like things that my computer would never do under any normal load to ensure it was perfectly stable. So I would do like 72 hour long. 100% stress test that would heat it up like 15 degrees higher than any game ever would. And while running that overnight one time, because it has to go for 76 hours, uh, I actually, <laughs> the the motherboard exploded. So <laughs> I, I was sleeping and, and I saw this flash of light come in my room and it was my one of the capacitors literally catching fire and the motherboard <laughs> caught on and then it, it 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 very immediately went out like i jumped out of bed i ran over there and i saw the flame extinguish as the computer stopped working That's uh awesome. and uh the motherboard was replaced by warranty no problem and, uh, and we were wow. good to go and i got it back up to within 200 megahertz of that speed that caused it to explode and it ran that way for four years so uh, so yeah, if you are going to break something, it probably isn't going to be the CPU, but your motherboard very well could explode. So keep yeah, that. Well, there's lots of stuff next to that thing that's getting super hot. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just reminds me of the um, Tom, Tom's hardware videos that he used to have that where he'd take off the heat sink and you'd watch this CPU yes. melt. and oh, Just melt, yeah. Oh, uh, that was brilliant. <laughs> I loved those. See, no, that was my thing really... back in the day. Like before I went to Mac and I was a PC guy, like I tinkered all the time, all the time. I, you know, I, at one point in time I had, you know, taken the little weird pen and, you know, bridge stuff on the CPU to unlock it and what have you. I mean, I, I loved to tinker and it was always broken, always broken. Uh, I, I mean, I can't count the Not amount of fun. times that I set my stuff up, you know, in the BYOC area, QuakeCon, I would play for about 20 minutes and then I would spend the next three days with a blue screen, you know, PC. Um, I'm talking about. How, yeah. You remember, like, I remember when I, when I used to build my own, which I'll still do, but probably once every five years now instead of, I don't know, biannually, whatever. Um, build mine but every five any, years. Anytime, anytime I took it apart and put it back together again and I got that B-Sod or if I just didn't get a post... Like the cold sweats, like what did I break? Okay. What? <laughs> what pen? Uh, I can, I what can tell you. What did I, <laughs> I, I, I can tell you exactly what it was. It was your memory because memory had about it's always eighty memory. percent oh, failure rate. Yes, memory. Yes, it was yeah. always memory too, and it was like, it, like I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like literally cold sweat, like a new shirt. It's damp. I'm like, did I break it? I don't have enough money to buy a new memory. Like, just tell me I seated it wrong. Tell me I seated it wrong. And it was like and, nine out of ten times I just seated it wrong. And of I, course, I would, every I would, single time I, I had this little hard drive magnet sitting on my desk covered in screws <laughs> for the case. And it didn't matter how many times I took the thing apart and put it back together. I had the little screw map, you know, on the desk and everything like that. There was always a screw left over every single time. <laughs> Where does somehow it go? Somehow it still held together. Yeah, That's there's awesome. there's always one missing. I will tell you that I so back I would say call it fifteen 
ish years ago, maybe maybe more. I would I would help my friends build their PCs, which I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. out, of that, I'm out of that business now because. <laughs> I, and back then, when the the memory failure rate was just so much higher, I would tell That's them, terrible. I was like, "Hey guys, I just need you just to know that like you may <laughs> want to order two sets of memory with the intent of sending one back." And they were like, "No, no, no, I don't want to do that." Ooh, and I was like, "Okay, just so you know, there's a very high likelihood that this is going to fail." Not going to win. They blame it on you. <laughs> and then, sure enough. Uh, I, I would say I probably built, I don't know, seven or eight of my friends' computers. I bet six of those, they had to get the memory swapped uh, just yeah. from the very beginning. So it was just a – and they would always get so upset. And I was like, hey, I just need you to understand. Like, this I, I happens. Don't... But once you get a, a you know one that's working, it'll it'll run for a very long time. Of course, so but then you have to fight with the works. folks – you have to fight with the folks at Fry's back in the day where you'd bring them memory that didn't work and you'd have to tell the customer oh, service rep 15 times, do not mark this down and put it back on the shelf. Right. This is dead. <laughs> Send it back. And then, and then, and you, then you want to mark it and put it back, back on, the on the shelf. Yeah. There's so lots I, of smiling and nodding. Oh God. I cannot count the amount of times. <laughs> so that, this is not visibly broken. I'm just going to yeah. go resell it. Like I, there was one time specifically <laughs> that I, you know, I got my, you know, uh, my tax return and I was building a new PC and I went back three times in a day because every motherboard that I bought was dead on the shelf. Yeah. And then I ended up having to get a completely different motherboard because I ran out of all the ones they had on the shelf. Because <laughs> they were all dead. Oh, God. That's awful. All right, that shifting gears crazy. a little bit, getting off that topic is enjoyable of a throwback as it was <laughs> for me personally. Sounds like we could go on for hours. But um, shifting gears ever so slightly, I saw the first uh, PlayStation 5 review from Ars Technica, and I feel like Russ definitely has something to say about that. And I don't know, Tim, Kieran, are you guys uh, PlayStation slash console gamers at all? Well, Xbox, Xbox for me, yeah. I've uh, almost finished Tony Hawk's. I've been oh, getting so back into oh, that. that throwback. Just nice. It's so that. good. Yeah. So they I played with it with that game. Yeah, I, I did. I just live vicariously through random posts about that game on there. Yeah, it's phenomenal that I game. That, yeah, that's so. But, cool. but I, I don't know about you, Tim. But have you? Did you think it was easier playing the um, newer version than it was the old? I, I did not the, actually. The I, I found it exactly as challenging as it used to be. Now, of course, you know, I had played the game before, so I knew some things, but it had also yeah. been long enough that I forgot a lot of things and it seemed like brand new again. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it ended up being a wash and being about the same as it was before as an experience for me, except with, you know, exponentially more nostalgia attached to it. Okay. Cause I have it on PlayStation, like the original PlayStation. Uh, Tony Hawk's 2 and I played that about a couple of weeks before the game came out was still not getting most of the stuff get this uh, uh, get this one and played it in two hours and finished it I was like oh, wow. seems easy it's just yeah. you know yeah. I I had the same experience I, I actually thought it was much easier but I assumed that that was one I've probably just gotten better at playing games as I've played them for the last 15 years. And two, mm. I will tell you, admittedly, there were multiple things that I was like, I don't know where this is. I cannot find it. I don't want to spend all the time. So I looked on YouTube. And oh, I, I did that on for YouTube sure. Back <laughs> then to find for things. Sure. So that was a big part of it was there was an exploratory yeah. aspect to the game back yeah. then. That you just had to go find things. And I was unwilling to to do that. So I just used YouTube and, uh, <laughs> and ended up finding it. So I did find it easier uh, just because I don't even know if I ever actually 
beat the games back in the day. I think I just found a level I liked and I did free skate on it. And I did that so much more. And whereas this one I actually did the challenges because there were I did a that few too. levels that uh, I didn't even remember. So I don't think <laughs> I ever played them. It's just so, yeah, I thought it was easier too, but maybe because I, I didn't play the game appropriately back I don't think I played now. the game like all the way through back in the day. I think I, I did the same thing. I played a few levels. I found the ones I liked for free skate and then I went for insanely large free skate scores. And that yeah. was... I mean, hours, endless, like blistering thumbs. But I don't, I don't actually think I played that game. Man, it's it's really interesting playing these old games again with YouTube being available. I mean, I just, I, I mean, the only thing I can equate it to is way back in the day with Nintendo Power Magazine, how they yeah. used to have the two D scrolls where they would show yep. you the entire level, yep. and that's that was basically YouTube back then for figuring out where what the level that's looked cool. like and what you needed was- to do totally going to bring up you could also power. call in and get help from oh yeah who was like oh, do you guys man. remember all of the um the the phone in uh like comp- competition is the wrong word but it's like a raffle why am i not thinking of the the word but it was you could call and try and win a nintendo if you watch oh yeah like, whatever the cartoon was on saturday morning and then if you tried to get the seventh caller from a TV show. Like I don't, I don't remember doing that with any other TV shows, but I remember constantly trying to call into the Nintendo hotline to win like a super NES. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I, I haven't even thought about that in a, forever. Hey, the has anyone, now. has anyone tried to play Tony Hawk online? Like the new one? I have and not. No. Yeah, well, if you do, you'll realize insane. just how terrible you are. Uh, it was, <laughs> I there was I was remember I was like, oh yeah, I have a score of eighty thousand. I'm doing great, and then it was like some dude did a combo five million hundred thousand by himself, and I'm just like, what is this? And then I went and looked at once again YouTube videos, and I realized that even on the older version of the game, yeah, which some people have never stopped playing, which you know I can get behind. I haven't stopped playing sure. Counter Strike in twenty years, so <laughs> they. But they were doing stuff like that on the old version, and it's yeah. like there's records for this stuff. And and I was right. playing against some of these people who probably hold some of these records. I, it was I guarantee I never broke those records, but I, that's all I did was freestyle trying to get up into the four or five hundred thousand point range. And there was that uh, we talked about this I don't know months ago probably now, but there was one level where there's like a greenhouse that's got a half pipe in it, and yeah. that was my jam. Yep. I could get like. 200,000 easy just off of stupid tricks inside that and crazy awesomeness. Yeah, I was on that episode. That was a good one. It was. It was. All right, shifting gears. Uh, let's let's move away from the game. It was funny. I brought that up with PlayStation 5, and then we like totally didn't talk about Sorry, it. Sorry, my fault. Anyway, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, new it new consoles. Okay. I'll, I'll give you new my console. take. New consoles, super yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, the, and that's what I saw. Basically, two thumbs up. It, it's wicked fast, and it's it's a move in the right direction for new consoles. And uh, so, I, I saw something. I saw that the SSD was too small. Or something though, it was well. There's you have to complain about something. Yeah. New consoles yeah. cannot nail it. It's not possible. I will agree that like one terabyte SSDs are silly uh, for for games that are some games are 250 gigs in size. Goodness. So, yeah, uh, they should have gone bigger, but it's an opportunity for them have. to sell more things. So either upgrade hey, SSD accessory or in Xbox's case, like a proprietary sort of plug in adapter that's two hundred and thirty dollars for an additional <laughs> terabyte. So uh, they should they know. should call uh, Apple. They shouldn't have included an SSD at all, and they should only allow playstation 5 branded ssds that they can ship 
inboxes later. I, I think they actually have like an approved partner list. So I'm sure Sony's getting a, some form of a, a cut of any of those sales that are official for the PS5. But yeah, that's definitely going to be a positive environmental impact if they had just not included it with the console, though. You get no controllers, part. or does everybody have those already? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Please do, because I'm not going to recover. <laughs> so I saw a good one. Um, Curtis Bunker actually shared this on Twitter. Um, and, and I think this was a few days ago, but I, I read into it today. And it actually, it, it totally fascinated me. So um, apparently the, the Pope has a, like a monthly focus uh faith focus list um and the focus topic for november is um uh, praying for the progress of robotics and artificial intelligence may always serve humankind or praying that it it does Uh, that's actually really interesting to me i i was i was kind of fascinated that the pope the catholic community in general would would focus on that one because it highlights, I think, what we talked a lot about a lot. Uh, usually, bringing Elon Musk and his commentary into it, um, but about like where AI in particular is going to go from an ethics perspective. And it, I thought it was really neat to see like a global religious leader, if not the most prominent, um, sort of brought into that light. I I I couldn't you know I haven't even thought about the idea of how. I guess religion would have their take on, on what it is. I, but I think many of us have a similar vein of like, not, not to say that praying is wishful thinking, but for people who aren't religious, it's like, we also hope that that's the case, (laughs) you know, (laughs) is that things stay sort of in our favor. And, you know, it's with, I think we talked about this before. Mark Cuban had made a comment about how uh, the, this was on the antitrust side of things where it was like, if you become the best at AI, then the government's going to come after you sort Mm -hmm. of thing. But I I think the point to take from there is, is how important AI is going to be to business and what impacts that will have in general as, as we move forward into the future. So it's definitely going to be big. And I think that we have to be very cognizant of how we, uh, how we approach it, how it's managed, how it's created and, you know, if you take the Elon Musk approach, it's happening. They're going to take over. So we need some things to augment ourselves to combat it. So there's, there's a bunch of different perspectives a, on, on a fun AI. Way to go. Sure. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I love it. Um, it that, it's funny. I forget what comment you just said that made my brain go down this path. But when you talk about how AI is going to impact business, um, I, I used to love, still kind of do Excel, right? It's just, I early, that early is career a really in aerospace. Statement. It is. It's it's a weird thing to get into, but um, my dad was an accountant, and he always had spreadsheets. Uh, his spreadsheets are unreadable, by the way. That's something totally. I could just go off on that mm-hmm. for a little while. But uh, I learned a ton about basically coding inside of uh, Visual Basic for applications, so the VBA extensions of Microsoft products specific to Excel, like the things I can do in formulaic uh, approaches to solving problems in Excel. Like it was actually just fun for me. It was like solving a puzzle, but it was, it's absolutely like the lowest level and don't mean to offend anybody that does this all the time, but of development. Like I did learn how to code a little bit. So that's kind of my foray. So I've got a, it's a special place in my heart for it, but nerd, there's a, yeah, well, big time. Nerd. There's a subreddit uh, of course, dedicated to Excel, which not surprising at all. There seems to be and, and you subscribe everything. to it. 
I did. I finally stumbled across it because sometimes it's fun to see people ask the questions and see some of the clever ways to solve it. And, uh, and, and I just get a kick out of, you know, seeing it in the, in the feed. Right. But I feel like Excel's or, or Excel spreadsheets, workbooks, right. Those are exactly the kinds of place where right now, um, people will literally ask on that subreddit, like, what can I do in Excel to impress a potential employer? to get a job. And I'm thinking like, okay, what jobs are you going for that that would still be on the list? But it occurs to me that AI will probably completely eradicate the need for somebody to have Excel skills on their resume. Maybe I'm wrong. Sense. I hope I'm wrong. I like Excel. Right. I guess. <laughs> well, first of all, we, we can't spend too much time on the topic of Excel or we're going to lose half our viewership. That's true. <laughs> but I do, think it, I do think it's an interesting thought around what AI would be able to do. Because once again, I, I don't think I thought of it like that. But we do think of AI from the perspective of AI creating additional elements. Like you create the base level of whatever the AI will be, and then it will sort of continue to mold and grow and adapt on its own. So mm. in that vein, it, it would be creating things like Excel spreadsheets if you yeah. consider that development and coding. Uh, I have seen your Excel work. It's beautiful, by the way. So uh, what, what else do we have outside of Excel and, and AI here? Uh, what do, you, do you guys know much about the um, GPS uh, that was just launched, GPS satellite, sorry, that was just launched for the U.S. Space Force? So SpaceX. I watched the launch. Nice. I do not know about the project. It's it's a pretty cool product. It, it, it's So it's the GPS-3 SVO-4. It's the first of, I guess, 31 satellites that are ultimately planned. Um, of course, SpaceX, government agency. The GPS is supposed to be three times more accurate than current gen, which if I'm not mistaken, is talking about 3X over current military technology, which I would Ooh. imagine is pretty incredibly uh, accurate. But what, what caught me off guard, which I didn't know, is that apparently this generation of satellites uh, is going to have a, quote, civil signal. And so it's going to be able to communicate with the, I, I think it's still the Galileo um, group of satellites, if I'm not mistaken, it's like some of the Gen 2 GPS. But um, that civil signal will allow it to play nice with civil GPS and sort of augment its capability, which I thought was really cool. And I, I don't think is super usual for military space tech. So I was glad to see SpaceX mm. yeah. killing it again. <laughs> yeah, but no, they're just launching more satellites that now we're not going to be able to see things in space. So they're just making the problem worse. Uh, we're getting That's closer fine. and closer to the, uh, the point in Wally where you know the, the <laughs> ship comes through and it blasts through the wall of space junk. Uh, that's definitely where we're getting with this. But I, it, it's so cool the things that they're doing, and I just I I love watching launches and stuff like that. And the fact that they're doing launches like once a month because of how reusable Falcon Nine is, uh, mm -hmm. I mean it, it's really really cool. And all this you know Starlink stuff that they're doing, they're starting to get you know that beta rolled out. Uh, yeah, we're we're going into the future really quickly. Yeah, the fact that it's in the news as often as it is, uh, every little satellite launch. I, I feel like every couple of weeks we see another satellite being launched, and it's very prominent. Um, I mean, there there are probably hundreds of thousands up there already, right? I don't know what the the total 
quantity is. And I, I don't know the burn rate either. I know some of them collapse back into, you know, the, the geosynchronous right. an orbit they put satellites into. They, they do decay. They will collapse back into uh, Earth's atmosphere. Some of them, I'm sure, burn up. Other ones, they talk about space junk actually hitting the ground. But I, I've read a few things over the last year or two that were just sort of highlighting that. And I think a lot of it comes, Russ, from what you were talking about, which is, at least the uh, amateur and um, avid sort of ast- uh, astronomy community, they're frustrated because the junk is actually obscuring views and, right. and causing problems in that regard. But I think there's actually starting to be a problem with, well, we want to put new things out and they might be for something as big as consumer GPS getting a much needed massive upgrade. And we're trying to find the right orbits that aren't going to run into crap, which is impressive because it's, Space. It is big. Does, does consumer <laughs> GPS need a massive upgrade? Because as you were saying, I just, it, I'm thinking to myself, I, you know, back whenever we drove places consistently, day in and day out, which doesn't happen as much these days, uh, I, you know, I use GPS pretty much every day, and it really mm-hmm. never let me down. So no, that's fair. I, uh, I don't know that it needs a huge upgrade, but I I remember reading about some of the GPS two, GPS three sort of future techs, and I mean I think something we lose track of is because it's so consistent for getting from A to B with a Google Maps or an Apple Maps or something like yeah. that. We we forget yeah. that when we're on an overpass in some cases, it doesn't know if we're in the left lane, the right lane, or the road below it, and so it's using intelligence in the code to fix that. And if you had better GPS, it, it might not need that. Let me give you a use case here. Um, so like you just said, you know, you're driving in a car, you don't care what lane you're in or what have you. Um, my daughter has a GPS tag. It's about the size of a car key fob. And we affix that to her to essentially low jack her when she's, you know, going places with Nano or out and about or what have you. And that's the kind of thing where I want it to be as accurate as humanly possible. I don't want you to tell me she's, you know, in this city block, I want you to tell me what corner she's standing on. Um, so that, that's just one of those things where the better GPS we can get, there's a use case yep. for it. But then driving in a car, you know, really, who cares as long as you're going the right direction and it tells you where to turn left. Yeah, I guess yeah, that's well, fair. But, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of, of that use case. Um, yeah. Well, if you pull that thread a little bit too, think about all of the autonomous vehicles. Um, the right. ability for them to do better, obviously the sensor arrays that they have are designed to deal with all of the things that can change very dynamically, but just having a perfect bead on where it is in space is actually really useful for them as well. So the more accurate and less error-prone GPS signals, therefore communication, is the better those systems are going to function without having to have intelligence constantly correcting against bad information. Yeah, you're going to cut your compute overhead down a little bit when you're getting accurate data. Yeah, or you can dedicate it to something else, right? Yeah, that's, I'm yeah, sure yeah, that's, right. that's that's what's holding. Yeah, us we're back. not just gonna we're not gonna leave it idle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, no we are not. <laughs> All right. What else you got, Kieran? I thought you said you you had a topic that you wanted to bring to the table. Oh, I've got a few actually. Well, one one satellite that's not going to burst through our atmosphere, um, the Voyager two. So NASA has finally oh, yeah. made contact with it after um, several months of um, the dish being down. So it's been in maintenance and upgrades uh, since mid-March. And October 29th, NASA has finally got communication. They sent a call and received a, a response back from Voyager 2. So it's all 
all operational again. Um, awesome. That dish is part of the Deep Space Network and is Deep Space Station number 43 down in Canberra here in Australia. So, Oh, that's awesome. Okay, I yeah. had seen that. I didn't, I didn't realize that was in Canberra. That's, uh, that's really cool. Um, and, and I did see this. I, I was trying to remember how, how far away is Voyager 2 right now? Uh, the line it is 11,683.45 million miles away. That's not that far. That's freaking awesome. And it is moving at 35,275 miles per hour. Yeah. Relative to the sun for what it's worth, which means that it's much, much faster when we're in different parts of our orbit, which is cool compared to us. Yeah. That's crazy. That is so cool. So 18.8 billion kilometers to give you a smaller number. <laughs> so you're telling me they didn't they didn't send someone to fix that and hit the re like Steve. the hard reset button they they did a remote restart this, this steve, steve had the hard reset it did you try so, plugging it in again so so the thing is it was still sending back health updates and science data so the the mission operators were still able to receive the data it was just they couldn't send any commands to it mm-hmm. so, so. Anyway, that was, had to ask it nicely. I mean, how, how long has it been out there? Uh, Mid March. Oh, it's been out there since 1977. Yeah, right. Forty-three years. So, quite the longevity. That's that's one of those, and it still works perfectly. It still works as intended, and it is still able to communicate back to Earth that far away from us. Incredible. And then take updates. What? That, that's what happens <laughs> when big tech companies and planned obsolescence isn't involved. Yeah, yeah, Ooh, burn. Ooh, that's There's right. no right to repair on that, though. Voyager Two is probably not getting any repairs. <laughs> well, they still made things better back in the uh, back in the '60s and '70s. I mean, I don't know they how don't many TVs they replaced. I'm telling you, like, like they, you know, the the Jeez. weird thing where they say the entire Apollo missions were basically run off of a coffee pot, you know, compared to today's technology. I, I mean, know, it's fascinating. It's it's yeah. really really insane, and I mean, it just shows you how well built and well engineered. I mean, they made them as simple as humanly possible, and you know, the parts just last. Well, they had more time on their hands to be able to design them because there was no internet. They had a lot more money too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Would you say uh, that man, the I, team that designed Voyager 2 had more money than Apple R&D? Oh, goodness, no. Compared to no. Apple, absolutely not. But, but no. for the cost of a single device, I think they, they did all right uh, in the true. budget category, right? No, uh, we could do a whole episode. In fact, I think I'd really enjoy it, especially if there's somebody out there that has some expertise in the space, talking about, um, you know, I mentioned right to repair uh planned obsolescence, stuff like that. I think that that is a, a plague in the tech industry. Oh, it's really bad. Um, mm. Because it is it is creating tremendous amounts of waste. I mean, we, we talk about some of these light efforts to sort of be more environmentally friendly, things like dropping the, the AirPods and the the dongles out of the iPhone shipment, right? And, and I, I won't get into it on this show, but those are, are half steps compared to the fact that we're being trained slash already are trained to replace our phone every, what, two to three years or even tighter in some 12 cases. months. Exactly. That's, that's killing us, right? And, and you can't fix it because it is difficult to fix some of these things. Um, anyways, anybody listening that really has some passion around that, we'd love to have you on the show. 
What else you got, Karen? I think we got time for at least one more. Uh, did you know if you decide to move to Finland, they'll give you 90 days free and free child care? They're, um, they are putting out uh, wow. an offer to do uh, – so Finland is, offers a 90-day tryout of their Helsinki <laughs> tech scene with childcare thrown in. So they're also doing all your documents. <laughs> they'll do um, – they'll help you find your house. They'll give, um, wow. give you school, healthcare. Uh, there's a whole plan that they've got put together to try and get so you I've settled over there. They're having birth rate problems then. Now, the only problem is that you have to live in Helsinki during the winter. <laughs> this is true. I wouldn't make it. Maybe that's <laughs> oh, is, is the no, ninety day deny. trial in the, the the dead of winter. Like, is that the only time just to see if you can survive in Helsinki? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly for a good reason. Yeah, that's that's a smart process of weeding people out. Yeah, that's funny. Um, that's actually but, really neat. But but I, I assume does the, does the article that you were looking into does it talk about you know why? Yeah, so the, <laughs> they give a couple of uh, reasons. So the idea is to beef up Finland's tech sector by stealing top talent from America, something that may, be, may have more appealing than usual given the recent changes to U.S. work visas and anti-tech uh, yeah, vibe the and stuff. the current election madness. Interesting. So, yeah, their their timing is. They're trying to capitalize sure. yeah. on the timing for sure. And so the requirement is well, it's not, I don't know if it's a, a hard set requirement, but um, they're trying to poach tech professionals on the Americans' west coast. So, sort of that top talent, I guess. That is in fact not me. I was going to say if they don't have any interest in myself, Tim or Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> they said top. <laughs> oh, that's actually a good call. Bird. Good call. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, um, yeah, I, I think, I think we're kind of getting to the end of, of the topics here. I, well, I did see one I wanted to touch on real quick. Um, the fed sees nearly a billion in Bitcoin from a wallet linked to the yep. uh, old Silk road. I saw that we've touched on Silk road before. So I actually saw this the day before the fed announced that it was the one that did it because, uh, again, it's Reddit somewhere. I like to, to get interesting. Be- news. Because you knew it but, before it was cool. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I wish if I knew it before it was cool, I'd be a lot wealthier, but, um, um, no, the the so one of the interesting things about uh, blockchain is that it has this immutable record, right? And so people can investigate the blockchain constantly, and you can actually keep an eye on certain addresses, and you can basically see the transaction history. So ever since the uh, Silk Road site was shut down, and the people that were operating it, and you know faced their charges and, and they just dismantled that marketplace in the, the dark net. Um, people have been checking up on and watching the, uh, the addresses related to some of the, the big Bitcoin owners from that site. Cause it was, this is early days. I mean, the people were spending, you know, 200 Bitcoin for an Apple um, because it was worth pennies relative. So, so the, some of the accounts associated with that were quite large in quantity of Bitcoin, especially at a $15,000 price tag. Um, well, somebody saw it move and they just said, hey, heads up, somebody just moved over a billion dollar in Bitcoin out of one of those old Silk Road addresses. The next day, the US Fed announced that it had seized it. So it was it was kind of see that uh, kind of neat to see that unfold where 
people saw it happening before. Yeah, I saw it on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, just basically, and it was election night. So, of course, mm-hmm. everybody was, they had their tinfoil hats on. And it was just <laughs> like, on election night, a billion dollars that hasn't moved in like seven years yeah, finally oh, wow. moves. It's like, whoa. It was funny. People got really excited about it. I don't. I don't actually recommend that you go to uh, Reddit's uh, Bitcoin-focused subreddits. They tend to be quite odd. They're not terribly valuable. You'll you'll catch. And I'm hating on some people that I, I'm. It's not intentional. It's just the commentary tends to be sort of garbage. People get off base real fast. I think there's still a healthy contingent of people that used Bitcoin, especially in this sort of. Um, topic space right where the idea was like get completely away from government control and oversight for centralized currency and so there's almost a political movement behind it and it tends yeah. to steep through in those those sort of enthusiast communities i don't think that's where the future of blockchain technology takes us i think they're much much more interesting and broadly viable sort of uh, paths to take but um what was funny was there were a lot of comments just like the damn Fed stealing this money, you know, what's this, what's that, right? But they've actually they have a history of this where they will auction off tranches of Bitcoin from seizures because unlike drug money, which I didn't actually know this until I read into it a little bit, where the money itself ends up being kind of I think permanently sequestered. You can't really like pull that back into or if there is a process it's very different. Bitcoin is considered an asset. And assets can be seized and sold by the U.S. government to recoup expenses. So the Bitcoin will be sold in in auction to buyers at you know whatever. I'd, I'd actually love to know a little bit more about how one gets into those auctions out, out of strictly curiosity, to be honest. But uh, I, I thought it was pretty neat. Yeah, it's very interesting <laughs> the way that they have that set up. Um, I, the fact that they can go through and just auction it off as an asset, not just like seized currency. Mm. Um, I would absolutely be interested in hearing a little more about the back end of that as well. Yeah, cool. yeah, no, for sure. And, and I hope to see more of that. Um, we actually, for the first time since I started working at VMware, have uh, training on blockchain technology and its use in business, um, which is interesting. Because I have customers ask about it regularly. Yeah. So, so it's, it's at least becoming, once a month that it, it comes up somewhere. Yeah. Yes. But and, how and many it, of them actually know what they're asking for? Or are they just well, giving you a buzzword? None of them. None of them. And they would admit that. They're, they're asking. That they're actually explicitly they asking to have a conversation. Exactly. They want yeah. to know a potential use case for it. But, so, but there are, so there are emerging use cases, particularly in supply chain and financials, where having a distributed trust that is coming from technology is actually right. useful. Um, I can imagine, and, and don't get me wrong, I am not an expert here. It's actually something I'm very curious to learn more about. But there are, um, I, I would imagine that blockchain could be very useful for some of the uh, online advertising, like instantaneous marketplaces too, especially when we start talking about um oversight of things that get you know dropped into a block on a website for you that kind of thing right. I, I actually think blockchain has a place in sort of helping those instantaneous marketplaces those super dynamic environments uh maintaining a level of trust that you, you quite simply will never know the players in those there's too many layers and it goes too fast uh you could use something like blockchain to 
establish trust and keep that ledger. So I, I think there are going to end up being some really interesting use cases, and it's kind of neat to see it coming off of the hype side of its uh, cycle and really turn into business use cases. And hopefully we get to double-click more on that soon. Good stuff. Awesome. Anything else? I've got, I got two more for me. Oh. So probably more of a... Um, public service announcement, but uh, iOS 14.2 is um, going to, there's three active exploits that were found by Project Zero uh, from Google uh, in iOS. Um, one is an, a code execution vulnerability that attackers can trigger using malicious crafted fonts. Um, another one allows a malicious app to obtain the location's in kernel memory and another one is a bug that allows code to run with highly privileged system rights and apparently these have been around for quite some time um, but they've only only now been i guess announced brought brought to the light highly privileged system rights on ios yeah Uh, did you, did you say with this malicious fine. fonts that were? Yeah, positive? that one ma- maliciously crafted fonts. It doesn't go into <laughs> any more detail, but I mean, yeah, watch out for the fonts that you pick, people. Uh, that's uh, can yeah, you comic sans on iOS? I actually <laughs> know that. Comic Sans uh, is sus. What a ridiculous thing. <laughs> Just what a Kick it out. Thing. What that's, is the next thing? Really interesting. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> moving on. All right. <laughs> this one's another Australian one for you. Um, so a tech support scammer, so someone calling from tech support, called a random number and managed to get the Australian Financial and Cybercrime <laughs> Investigation Branch. Yes. Yes. Oh, random gone wrong. What are the chances? Yeah. Or maybe gone right. Yeah. <laughs> so they ended up. Um, perspective, that's true. Challenge accepted. <laughs> exactly. So they went through with it in a secure and controlled environment uh, to try and gain some insight into the scam itself. Um, they're asking they, downloads. Were they able to catch them? Uh, don't know. Um, I would feel like, lo- I feel I would like love that to should see be part of this article. Of or did, did they get exactly? At one, it would be fun to see the recording. Two, if they got duped, I'm really like I just I feel bad for the cybercrime <laughs> division. <laughs> no, they, they they went through with it. They um, followed through with the person and, and loaded it up um, and asked to download uh, well one exe called supremo.exe. So one executable. Apparently, when they tried to run it, it wouldn't run. Um, and then there was a, a few other tools that they needed to try and run, which they had no luck with. So obviously their controlled environment was too controlled, <laughs> um, but that it's just um, remote access software that they were they were trying to get on there. Um, but they were calling from well, they were saying they were calling from the Australian National Broadband um, Group, which they are a wholesaler and they don't call customers directly. So um, <laughs> yeah, if if um, anyone gets a call from. Australian from the Australian National Broadband Network. Uh, <laughs> it's um, it's fake. That's <laughs> super relevant for most of our listeners. 
Unless you work for a um, for a reseller, but yeah. Yeah, there you go, man. Well, it's it's a good it's a good toss out, a good way to end it. They're just a PSA in general, right? Like, if you're getting phone calls from groups asking for very particular personal information, or God help you, somebody asking you to run random executables on your computer to fix a problem you didn't know you had until you got the phone call, just don't. Call a friend or uh, Google it, but basically just ignore those. Nobody is calling you randomly to help you fix a problem. Wait, 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 wait. So it wasn't the Microsoft help desk that called me about the problem with my Mac? Okay. Uh, I got to oh, go. Well, okay, my question there <laughs> is, call me it help you fix the problem you didn't know you had? <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Thank you guys for joining us. It was tons of fun having you, Kieran and Tim. Uh, Russ, Tim, weird having you in the same place, but I enjoyed it personally. Um, I like it. Good times. I hope all of our listeners had a good time. That's not nice for us. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, go find our Patreon if you want to support what we're doing. And we will talk to you next week. Have a fantastic weekend. Cheers, everybody. Later. See ya. <laughs>